What if just one of us said, you know, I heard Guy say I should, in the moment when I want to get upset, instead of lashing out or denying, I should simply come as awake to myself as I can and in my patience try to see what I can see about this pain. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for tuning in. I would like to announce our sponsor, BetterHelp.com. I myself just started with BetterHelp.com. I'm excited to start with my new therapist. It's going to be very convenient for me because I travel a lot. I also have some time in the evenings that I can work and most therapists do not see past 8 p.m. BetterHelp.com is an online platform over 4,000 therapists, and you can choose the one that is matching for you. It's affordable, it's accessible, it's convenient, it's secure. You can text them, you can chat with them, you can video call them, you can use your tablet, your computer, your phone. It's on the tip of your fingers. You don't have to travel anywhere. If you're remote and you're looking for a therapist, then maybe your community doesn't have someone local that is specific therapist for what you need. Why not sign up on betterhelp.com and get the therapist that fits your needs. It's also super private. You don't have to go anywhere and be seen in public if you're still struggling with stigma. So visit betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. They're offering our listeners 10% off on their first month. So go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Find your therapist. Thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge, the podcast that is designed to break the stigma and bring more awareness to the mental health community, depression, anxiety, bipolar, and any other struggles that people out there are struggling with mental health. And we are hoping to bring more awareness and love. Today, I am so beyond honored. I'm like a little bit excited and nervous at the same time because I have somebody that is so monumental in my life because he changed the way I look at relationships from a book that I read of his. Mr. Guy Finley, thank you for joining me here. It is my pleasure. It's really true. Before even I got into my mental health journey, I was always a very deep thinking person. And sometimes I, I find that ignorance is bliss. And, and when we we think deeply, we get ourselves into such a mess. And I sometimes <laughs> wish that I didn't think so much. And But I was always curious about things. And, and one of the things that I find that really was hard for me in my relationships was that I would analyze every word what did you mean? Why did you say this? What did you say last week? What did you mean today? And your book 
was the relationship magic. So let me give a little bit of a background about Guy Finley. Guy Finley is an author, a teacher, a spiritual guidance, a relationship guru, a very spiritual person, an extremely spiritual person. And I would say that I, I, from his energy, I feel like he just wants love in the world. He just wants acceptance, understanding. And I think what Guy tried to do in a lot of his teaching and his book was to bring understandings why, why relationships don't work and how we can fix ourselves instead of fixing the other person in the relationship. Did I say that correctly? Sounds good to me. <laughs> so um, in the Relationship Magic book, which I think is your latest book, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's the new, the new book. Yeah. So the, in this book, it was all about understanding ourselves and as individuals, as well as in the relationship and why we have certain triggers and why relationships fall apart and why do we feel unheard and unseen and why do relationships fall apart at certain times and, and, and where do we go wrong and where's the conversation and how can we take it back to basics of understanding the human dynamics of oneself and in the relationship. And I must say, I got so many tools from your book. I really got so many tools. And yesterday I interviewed um, a relationship consultant and I told her that I'm interviewing her today and she was really excited. And I was telling her that part of my relationships, I'm very, I'm Israeli, very strong-minded, passionate. <laughs> yeah. So I voiced my... I couldn't tell that about you. <laughs> <laughs> I voice my opinion a lot. And I and sometimes people are very taken aback because I'm a very loving, kind person, but at the same time, I'm very strong-minded and very opinionated. And I want my way or the highway. And sometimes in my relationships, I can burn a bridge because I'm so in the need of proving my point, of being seen, of being heard, versus what you say in the book is looking inside and saying, why? What is missing inside me that I need that from the other person? What is broken inside me? But let's just, let's not use the word broken. Mm. Let's use the word, how did I get disconnected from what is true in myself that could cause me to act in such a self-defeating, self-sabotaging way? Mm. Because that's really the, the key here, uh, Matana, is that we have, we have lost track of who and what we are. And because of that, we've lost the purpose of our relationships with one another. And when we have to in, invent purposes, when we have to try to keep uh, in place ideas about who should be in our life and why, then we're going to run into, as we all know we do, conflict, hmm. problems, unresolvable, irreconcilable differences that exist not because they have to, but because we don't understand yet the purpose of that relationship and what it's meant to serve in our life. Okay, so from now on, we are not using the word broken. No, disconnected. Disconnected. Okay, thanks for that first tip of, the, of, the, of this podcast episode. Guy, I want to give the audience a little bit of a background on you. So you're a teacher and you're a writer. You wrote yes. many books. How many books have you written? Oh, if you count audio, audible books, um, probably in the neighborhood of 40 or 50. Wow. And are they all uh, on relationships? In the end, Matana, and I, I know that you know this, but I'll just say it. This life 
is relationship and all of our individual partners in the moment, whether it's the person that we meet at the grocery market or the person tailgating us or our husband, our children, the pets we have, the flowers that we see, the sunlight that we stand in, all of these moments are expressions of a relationship momentarily manifested that teach us and give us something about ourselves. So all of my books in the end are about relationship, even though they run the gamut of Letting Go, my best-selling book, Mm -hmm. Secret of Letting Go, The Immortal Self, Mm -hmm. Lost Secrets of Prayer, Freedom from the Ties that Bind. These books are, in the end, all about how we can use moment to moment what life brings to us in order to discover already within us, that's why it's not broken, just disconnected, Mm. an understanding about our life and our purpose in it that allows us to be much more compassionate, patient, and less self-judging human beings. Of ourselves and others. Yes. Because how many times are we self-judging ourselves? We know that we judge others. That's easy. (laughs) But a lot of times we judge ourselves and we don't realize that we're judging ourselves and we're so hard on ourselves and we're not forgiving. And that's where the blockage is. The truth is we can't really judge another human being without having first judged ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's right out of scripture. Judge not that ye be not judged. Mm -hmm. Because what do we judge in somebody? I'll ask you to be the advocate for the people who are listening. When we judge somebody, what are we judging in them? What, What is it that makes us judge another person? Is it because we're happy with them? Or is it because they have suddenly, in one way or another, set something off in us? Disappointment so that, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so we are, we are disturbed by someone before we judge them. Can we agree? Yes, I agree. So that means that something that person manifests has touched something in me that I want to blame on them. Mm. So that really we judge others when we have been triggered, but the trigger lives in us. They've just set it off. So when we judge someone, we're actually agreeing to keep hidden in us that which is within us that they have stirred. That's the beauty, if you will, the dark side in the, in the good sense of the word, why we judge others, because we don't want to know there's something in us that doesn't want to wake up and realize that we have in us this righteousness, this uh, image of ourselves, bond, doubt, these parts of us that believe they're perfect, that make us capable of judging others when the other has merely revealed to us something that is concealed in us. And that would be a good point to bring up, that to reveal what is concealed in us. Mm. That's the purpose of relationship. We love the high side of it. You remember the first time you fell in love, Matana? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The feeling Every, good. Everything... It was all wahoo. There was no bad moments. Everything was overlooked. No problems. Nothing but pleasure physically, emotionally, mentally. Because why? Because that that person stirred in me, awakened in me qualities and characteristics I had no idea 
lived in me. So here I am and I'm with this person and I am a light bulb turned on. Mm. There is absolutely nothing but beautiful, caring, goodness, and it's all pouring out of me like a fountain when I'm with that person. We understand that. That's what I call the wahoo stage. But the next stage I call the boohoo stage is when wahoo suddenly turns into oh no. <laughs> because instead of what? That person was revealing to me parts of myself that I loved realizing and that I couldn't realize without being around them. Mm -hmm. But now that same person is revealing in me things that I don't want to think are me at all. Mm. And that's where blame comes in. Blame exists when my partner reveals in me something that has been concealed in me. And by the way, waiting to be healed. But I resist summarily the revelation because I don't know what to do with the pain. I was happy to take the joy and the glory and the goodness. But when the pain is revealed, it can't be mine. So I must find someone to blame for it. Mm -hmm. And that's the part of our relationship where instead of the best of me, now you're bringing out the rest of me and I don't want to know about it. Mm. What brought you into analyzing relationships? What's your background with relationships or obsession with relationships that brought you to writing all these books and research and spiritual work that you do? The same thing that has brought you to speaking to me, the same thing that makes anyone who's listening to us tune in and give their attention. We human beings do not know what to do with our pain, period. All we know to do with our pain is to find someone to blame for it, look for a pleasure to cover it up, or some plan by which we can postpone dealing with it into the future. We don't know what to do with our pain, Matana. My journey through this life which spiritually began around the age of seven years old, took place because I was born and raised in a wildly successful show business family. My father was a Time Magazine man of the year. I was raised with the children of the celebrities of, the, of my time. I'm 70 now, mm -hmm. so most people don't remember Dean Martin or Lucille Ball, Desi Arnaz. Liza Minnelli, I the, do. the giant <laughs> stars of the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. well, their children were my best friends. Mm -hmm. So I was raised in a, in a mini rat pack, as it were, mm -hmm. where absolutely everything was given to us except for one thing, understanding why there was so much fear and anger and uh, dysfunction that ran rampant through all of the people the world glamorized and glorified. For whatever reason, I couldn't get past the fear, the pain that I felt all those years growing up, trying to prove that I was someone special because I was grown, I grew up around men and women who even in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, idolized by the world, we're still struggling to prove that they were someone special. Either we have something special in us or we don't. And the world cannot prove it. The world can only bring us into a place where we feel like if we don't 
approve it. We've missed the mark, and now we have to go back and find that approval again and again and again. Relationships are not the mechanism through which we find approval. Relationships are the device through which we realize who and what we are is already more than enough, and that all we are in relationships for is to discover this already existing in us. That's my background, wanting to understand why there was so much pain and that no one understood it beyond doing what everyone else does, mm. which is having enemies, making plans, trying to get more approval. Boy, mm. if I could, I could tell you stories that would shock you, mm. and I won't, I don't do personal stuff, but I can tell you if we understood, and let's be clear on this, not by looking out and seeing men and women taking their own lives. Why would a celebrity of such magnitude mm -hmm. become a drug addict, hang himself, kill herself in a bathtub, do the things that we see that are unmentionable to themselves and those they love? It's not because they're happy, Matana. Right. Even though the world has given them everything, there's one thing the world cannot give us, and it is a relationship with love. It is a relationship with our soul. It is a relationship that allows us to reconnect with what is true and real within us. That's up to us. And the more we look to the world to produce it, the more pain we'll be in when the world withdraws what they give us as it always does and will. So you growing up felt that lack of and you felt that you needed to understand why you're feeling the lack and understanding how to gain that love with yourself or or, or relationship with yourself or with love with the spirituality. You look at your own life with me. I don't know why at the age of seven or eight years old, when we grow up with adults that are drinking and yelling, mm -hmm. trying to prove to themselves and everyone else that they are what their image says they are. Mm -hmm. But as a boy, I knew that anxiety was wrong. Mm. It didn't matter how it was justified. Right. It didn't matter that there could come a time when there wouldn't be anxiety. Mm -hmm. The fundamental state of the soul caught in that distrust and anger and fear is intended to bring that child, you and I, into an irreconcilable relationship with a world that tells us in time we will be better. There is no in time when we get better. The time to get better is when we're in pain and to realize that we're not going to talk ourselves out of it. We're not going to find someone to console us away from it. It is our responsibility as human beings to reconnect with that which has been disconnected through a world mad with the pursuit of image and power. I hear that. And I agree. I really agree. And I think that a lot of our our generation suffers from anxiety. It's social anxiety. But a lot of people suffer from clinical depression and anxiety. And they wish they didn't have it. They wish they can be the, the happy-go-lucky self they were before. And they lost it to mental health taking over their mind. Do you believe that everybody has a power over that? Absolutely. Mm. No question about it. We're not denying mental depression. Mm -hmm. We're not denying certain psychotic states 
that overcome the human psyche, because at a certain point, unchecked as it is intended to be, or even, I'll say it more powerfully, our inability to use those consciousness moments where we are drawn into, let's look at depression. Can a person become clinically depressed without reliving over and over again those moments in their life seen as being responsible for what has ruined their life? Or is the revisitation of the past, the reliving of who I don't want to be at the root of that kind of clinical depression? Um, at times, yeah, but sometimes there's no episode that triggers a depression. I, but I already qualified that. At a certain point in time, our body will become so habituated, so uh, caught in a homeostatic state of a certain chemical level right. that it will automatically go there. We're not talking about that, although we can address that too. Okay. So you're saying, saying based on an episode, a trauma, something that happened, that the depression is caused from something in our life. Yes, I agree. So to the point, am I made to revisit those moments where I was victimized? Or is there something in me that is complicit, that actually agrees to revisit the thing that is making me feel like a victim? Mm. I will say, no, I'm not complicit. But if we watch carefully, we will see that in that moment, something in me is agreeing to relive that unwanted moment. Something is actually picking up. Here, let's do this. Mm -hmm. Everybody that's joining us. We're going to do this. I know that you can't see me, but I'm going to do it. You do it too, Matana. Yes. Pick up a piece of paper. Get a piece of paper. Put it in your hand. Crumple it up yeah. and put it in your hand. Okay. It can be a pen. It can be anything. Yeah, okay. Right? Now, everybody, with that pen or crumpled paper, hold it in your hand with your hand upright mm -hmm. so that the paper is just sitting there in your hand, in your palm, so that it's just balanced there. Okay, everybody, now just turn your hand over. Okay. What happened? Fell out. Fell out. Now, let's imagine for a moment that that piece of paper, that pen, is that thought, that feeling, that depression, that anxiety, that thing that we know we live with. Just for a minute, imagine that now we've turned our hand over and it's fallen out. Nothing can stop it from falling out. Now, how does it get back in my hand? By does it have little arms? Yes. Something in us picks it up. Our choice. That's yeah. the key. Mm -hmm. Our task is to discover that there is a level of consciousness that is so habitually identified with the continuation of that particular sense of self that it doesn't know who it is without it. Mm. So that rather than being someone who doesn't know in a moment who he or she is, it would rather pick that up and revisit the pain that validates that consciousness. That's what we have to understand. And it's so hard. I understand the difficulty of it. But at a certain point in time, another example, Matana, if you had a friend and every time you invited him or her into your home, within five minutes, they had convinced you to take a drink, do a drug, 
or go back and revisit something painful in your past. Mm -hmm. And one day you realized whenever they were there, that's when you got into that pain. How long would you invite that person? How many times would you keep inviting them into your house? None. Exactly. At some point, <laughs> Matana would go, hold on a second. <laughs> this friend isn't a friend at all. Right. No longer invited. You know, you're not welcome in my life anymore. Right. We can reach a point when we are present enough to be aware of that thought, that feeling that doesn't just trigger the trauma, mm -hmm. doesn't just trigger the reaction in the relationship, but actually brings us into the world where that trigger exists. We can be present enough to catch it and for a moment realize, ah, no more. I am not going there again. And then, this is deep, instead of unconsciously suffering, the reiteration of that consciousness to consciously suffer that moment where at last I am present sufficiently enough to that part of myself I never knew before existed. And now I'm going to be the observer of myself instead of someone serving what is stealing myself from me. Then we have a chance to turn the tables in the temple upside down, wow. turn the whole thing over. That's mm. where it begins, because now there is a light in us, an awareness that wasn't there before, that is capable of not just showing us these false friends that become our guides, but by that light itself, separating the wheat from the chaff, separating us from who we what and what we thought we were, so that we have a momentary real reconnection with that higher consciousness that will do for us what we have not been able to do up until that moment. But you're not saying to be in denial that it happened. It's look at it at the face, be aware that it happened, acknowledge it, acknowledge the pain and say goodbye. You're no longer serving me. I'm willing to let you go versus making you a part of who I am. Yes, because you see, blame is denial. I mean, think what would happen in this world, not just to people that are clinically depressed or mm -hmm. who have anxiety issues. What if one day I realized that every time I blame someone for my anxiety, my anger, my hatred, the violence I feel, that in that moment, something triggered me and that that trigger was actually preceded by a revelation that there is a limitation in my consciousness and the limitation does not want to be revealed mm -hmm. because my identity actually depends upon it. Imagine, this is deep, Matana. I think you can go with me on this. I, I am. My identity is based on a limitation. You, an example, I, w I grew up, I'm making this up, but put yourself in it, everybody. I grew up, well, no, I'll use a real example. When I was 18 years old, I fell in love so hard, I, didn't, I had no idea that someone could be so head over heels, literally blind, completely crazy in love. And about nine months later, God bless her, she broke my heart. 
I mean, she cheated on me. It was inconceivable that that could happen. But sure enough, incontrovertible proof that she had cheated on me. So there I am living with my parents downstairs, three in the morning, banging my head on the living wall. And my mother comes downstairs, what's wrong? And I said, life is over. I don't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. Why? Because she broke my heart. Now, the only thing my mother could tell me in those days was, don't worry, honey, there's lots of fish in the sea. Mm -hmm. Tell someone <laughs> whose ship just ran aground <laughs> fish in the sea. It didn't make any difference. No. And I vowed, and you tell me yes or no, I vowed, I swear to God, I will never fall in love again. I'll never go through this again as long as I live. Who hasn't said that in the throes of a broken heart, right? Right. Now, a year later, I fall in love again. <laughs> Something that was formed in me Attracted. at 18 years old stays in place. Mm. Call it what you will, a body of energy, a set of coalesced thoughts, a state of consciousness that is in the dark of me that I don't know is there until we're out to dinner and she's looking over and I think she's looking at a waiter. Now, I don't know that I'm still living with this idea that I'm never going to be hurt again. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, I feel fear, and it makes me ask a question. Maybe it makes me jealous. It produces a reaction in me that is completely mechanical. I didn't ask for it. I wasn't the one that triggered it, but a level of consciousness suddenly brought up the content of that pain. Now, if I live for the rest of my life with a suspicion that my partner could cheat on me, is that not a limitation on love from that point forward in any relationship I'll ever be in? Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. So that my identity, when the limitation is triggered, then produces reactions that actually bring about the very thing I don't want. Because when you're jealous of a partner, that jealousy is eventually going to produce in your partner, I don't want anything to do with you. Mm. You're ruining the relationship, but you believe you're trying to fix it. Mm. So the limitation produces the identity. The identity belongs to a level of consciousness that wants that to go on so that it can establish what it believes is a way to protect itself. Imagine I'm trying to protect myself from getting hurt by being jealous when being jealous produces the hurt I don't want. Exactly. There you have it in a nutshell. Hmm. So that 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 part of my consciousness that I believe is actually protecting me is actually producing more of the pain. And that model holds true, Matana, at all levels with all things psychological and spiritual. Yeah. So that we get to this marvelous moment, if everybody's following me, and I hope I'm not going too deep, too fast. It's great. You're doing great. Where that moment of revelation where something is triggered in me is the same as the opportunity to realize, ah, let me not turn and blame. Let me not look to you to reconcile this jealousy. Let me understand what you have said and done has brought up in me something that is concealed and has been concealed. And now for the first time, it's in the light that can heal it. Mm -hmm. And now I know my first responsibility 
It isn't to make you into someone that doesn't hurt me. It's not to make me into someone who will be forever safe because I've controlled or coerced you into being what I imagine you have to be. It is to assume the responsibility that this light has given me to let this limitation, this fear, this depression, this anxiety, let it sit in that light so that, listen to this because it's beautiful. I exit that moment no longer the same order of man that went into it because an integration has taken place. Love has done its work. Mm. Love has revealed the limitation and love has healed the limitation by showing me that I was disconnected from that light because in that light, Nothing self-destructive can act, let alone choose for me the path to bring an end to that pain. The pain is resolved in the reality of that revelation. Wow. Wow. So basically, it's trauma work as you go on with life. It's facing the trauma. It's acknowledging that it was there, learning what it was there to serve you to learn to become the greater self and move on. Yes. And look, I don't know if I should bring this in or not. Some people like uh, scripture. Some people don't. I say bring it in. There's a beautiful story of, of, uh, and it's in my book, actually, it's in Relationship Magic, The Good Samaritan. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it's a fabulous story that seems to be taken at a level that, well, well, I'm first, I believe I would be the Good Samaritan. If I saw somebody beaten on the road, I would stop. Right. You know, unlike the Pharisees and Sadducees, unlike these others that believe they're better or other than. But the fact of the matter is we are the one in the road. There isn't one of us listening, not one of us that doesn't have a broken heart, Matana. Mm-hmm. Not one of us. I have a relationship with my wife for 40 years, mm-hmm. and as God is my witness, we have never yelled at each other, mm. not once, 40 years. Now, with such a relationship, and I love my wife in, in unconditional terms, but unconditional means that she is there in my life as I am in her life, sometimes to be the jeweler's wheel, mm-hmm. sometimes to be the jewel. Mm. Everyone wants to be the jeweler's wheel. You know, I'm going to polish you up. I'm going to get you nice and shiny. I'm going to get the rough edges off of you because that's my job. I'm the jeweler's wheel. You're the jewel. But the jeweler's wheel and the jewel exist together. What good is a jeweler's wheel without a jewel or a jewel without a jeweler's wheel? So that each of us works in active and passive roles. So that when my partner brings up in me something that stirs a moment's irritation. I don't look at her and blame her for that. I look at myself. How did I get to believe that I am beyond correction, that no one else's opinion matters, Mm -hmm. that somehow what she's saying isn't worth listening to, but rather what I need to say is what's valuable. We all know this in our relationships, so that when we can have that moment, that pause, we can begin to understand that these moments are revealing what is concealed so it can be healed. Then we leave the moment better understanding not only ourselves, but the purpose of the relationship Mm. because it has helped heal, integrate something in me. And now I can be a better partner to you and do the same 
for you. How do we take the ego out of the relationship? You can't take the ego out of it. You can die to the ego. Or more accurately, the ego can be put in its right place. Here's how it's done to use words. This is strong medicine. The original meaning, and I mean back thousands of years, of the word patience. Can you guess what it is, Matana? No. Everybody write it down. The original meaning of the word patience mm-hmm. is to suffer yourself. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to suffer yourself. Not to suffer somebody else. Mm. Not to tolerate like you're some spiritual, magnificent creature, right. you know, beings that are less than you. Right. No, patience to suffer myself. That's why, by the way, St. Paul said, in, my, in your patience possess you, your soul. Because when we can learn patience with our partner, mm-hmm. that means that now I can sit here and I'm going to suffer what I didn't know in myself was waiting there to hide or blame someone else for its pain. See, it's incomprehensible to us, Matana, that we live in an almost perpetual state of conflict. Mm-hmm. It's almost incomprehensible to us right. that we are a, a spring-loaded conflict machine. Right. And yet, isn't that what every moment basically produces? Someone says something I don't like. Right. I go off. Right. I get some news I don't want to hear. I'm in conflict. The world turns left when it's supposed to go right. I'm upset. The world is stupid. I'm smart. So that the reason we're not aware of this beautiful, by the way, beautiful spring-loaded device Mm -hmm. is because the moment it goes off, the reaction produces a guide. Mm -hmm. Let's go through this slow. A reaction becomes my guide. Now, you tell me, can an effect ever fix a cause? Can an effect ever change the cause? No. Do you understand the question? Yeah. In other words, suddenly I'm reacting because cause took place. The reaction can do nothing to the cause. Right. The cause has to be addressed. Mm -hmm. But for us, when we have a reaction, the cause becomes something blamed. Right. Instead of seeing it in our consciousness. Mm-hmm. So we're divided in that moment instead of being integrated through an awareness that says, ah, the cause to this reaction is in me. The reaction points the cause as being someone or something to blame. Mm. Now we are divided. And the essential conflict that could have been the actual reconciliation mm-hmm. turns out to be the continuation of that conflict, mm-hmm. which is why the world keeps having wars, which why men and women still hate each other, why we have fanaticism and all the things that plague this planet, because this consciousness that says it wants peace does not want peace. It wants the perpetuation of itself through enemies and conditions to blame. Mm-hmm. We're talking about something much bigger than just interpersonal relationships. We're talking about the nature in us that is keeping this planet on edge. Because if we can begin to work, you and I, Matana, with our partners, with the guy that pushes in front of us at the Mm -hmm. grocery store, with our reaction to the price of goods, Mm -hmm. 
then we can begin to do our job as human beings as part of a broader human consciousness where our healing becomes the healing of consciousness of all creatures because we agreed to be responsible to the higher reality. But do you think that's feasible to start? I don't, th I don't think it's feasible. I know it's doable mm -hmm. and I know Until we do it, we will never be content as human beings. Right. Because this is very deep stuff. It's very deep stuff. And it takes time to process it and even much more time to actually practice it and be okay I with agree. it. It's a muscle. It's, you're going into a boxing, boxing range without practicing. And you're like, okay, this conflict, I need to be okay with it. What is it teaching me? What is it bringing up in me? How do I resolve it inside of me? So, and it's, it's a lot. It's very draining. It's emotionally draining. Except for one thing. Your coach in the ring is the divine itself. Mm. The man or woman who begins to understand that there is only one thing that is ever going to bring about that sense of unity that they're looking for is for them to become a conscious participant in this broader relationship that God has brought them into this world to serve. We are individual instruments of a much broader consciousness, mm -hmm. none of which we have to think about, but which can be verified through this kind of acting out the knowledge we're describing. What if just one of us said, you know, I heard Guy say I should, in the moment when I want to get upset, instead of lashing out or denying, I should simply come as awake to myself as I can. And in my patience, try to see what I can see about this pain. If I did that, I would see in that moment a host of thoughts and feelings come flooding in, mm -hmm. saying, no, 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 you can't let him get away with that. Mm -hmm. No, you can't let that stand that way. This is wrong, and you must make it right. Mm -hmm. Now listen, in that same moment, if I'm still present, I see that I'm angry. I see that I'm full of hatred or some kind of uh, venom. In that moment, does anger and hatred know what's right? Mm -hmm. Does love hate? Does love separate? Does love ever blame? Or does love unify? Does love want to add pain to any other human being's life? Mm -hmm. Or is love the first thing to lay itself down because it understands that it cannot oppose and unify at the same time? So we're talking about reawakening something in us that already lives in us, that has gone to sleep, that we have become disconnected from. So that in those moments where my partner, Madonna, when you get upset with somebody, is it because you're happy with them? No, they disappointed me. I, I, I feel pain. Right. Right. And I want you to resolve my pain. Right. You can't resolve my pain. Period. No one you can. You can momentarily console it. Mm -hmm. You can momentarily put it at bay. Mm -hmm. But an hour, a day, a month later, and you and I know this, I'm going to look at you again as the one responsible for the pain I'm in. Mm -hmm. You can't heal my pain. Love can show me. On the other hand, that the moment that you bring this up in me, love has brought us together so that I can be healed by that, by that revelation, by that love. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? 
if I really love you, and may God help all of us to understand this, if I really love you, I can't add more pain to your life, Matana. You've come to me and you've set me off because you're in pain. Now I want to cause you pain. Mm. I don't say to myself, I want you to be in pain, but I do say, I want you to pay for my pain. Mm. That's pain talking. That's pain acting. Mm -hmm. And so pain meets pain. Lower consciousness fights with lower consciousness. And you have the continuity of suffering and pain on this planet because we as men and women won't stand up inwardly and invite God to do what God wants us to do, which is to transcend this limitation by inviting love to remove it from us by dying to it, by dying to it, not getting someone else to pay for it, mm -hmm. but accepting that moment in time where suddenly this thing is shown to us for what it is. Then God help me and God will. I'm not going to make you suffer for my pain. Mm -hmm. Can't. I want to. That's the thing, you see. I actually want someone to feel what I'm feeling because right. it's not right what I'm feeling. Right. And I'm saying it's not right. And we know it is intuitively to make someone else want to feel what we do because we don't want it. Would you, someone came to your house, would you serve them food you don't want to eat? Unless they told me they liked it, no. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Right, right. We wouldn't serve spoiled food. Right, right. We serve people suffering. We serve them states in ourselves we don't want mm -hmm. because we blame them for making us eat it. No one makes us eat anything. There's another feast. He prepareth a table in the presence of mine enemies. All this beautiful scripture comes right into complete view and we start to understand the reason that we're told to love our enemies is because our enemies are helping us discover mm -hmm. the real enemy is this fragmented consciousness that must have someone outside of it to blame for the conflict it's always in. So if someone's in, someone's like you, spiritual, looking for deeper meaning in a relationship or it's actually deeper meaning of self and, and the, the reason why we're here and life in general, it's not about the other person at all. Um, the exactly. other person is just a mirror of what you need to accomplish. So yes. so let's say you're on a, a level that you're deep and you're understanding and you're you're working on yourself and the other one is just like throwing the the, the bullets at you to see, let's see how strong this guy is. Let's see. How does it work when one is on a spiritual growth and on a, a journey of healing or whatever it is and the other is completely out for lunch? You're speaking completely Chinese to them and they don't know a word of Chinese. I'm like, okay, come back to earth. Do you, do you want to live in this world? Or can it work with one very deep intellectual, spiritually connected and one is just going through life, throwing the bullets I, at you? I think it's the wrong question. I think the real question is, does it work the way it is now? Hmm. Or is it just getting by, postponing the next fight? Hmm finding something that seems to resolve a resentment that will surface again in a bigger way. So what's the so, answer? Yeah, well, here's the answer. It doesn't matter what you do. Now, listen to me. I am not saying, and I go to great lengths in my book, mm -hmm. we're not here to let any human being abuse us. Right. If you're in an abusive relationship, mm -hmm. look to yourself. Look to yourself. 
You're enabling that person if they are physically, God forbid, physically abusive. If they're psychologically abusive and you have said to them, no more, and they continue to do it and you stay in it, you're asking for it, period. So where's the difference between you saying, oh, he's just mirroring myself and I have to learn. It's not abusive. I feel abuse. It's not real abuse. I feel abused just because it's my my, the way my brain is processing my trauma, but it's really not abuse because I am who I am and I'm not going to let him put me down or it or whatever it is. Uh, see, and this is where you have to be present enough, Matana. Put, you mean he said something that was a shock to an image that you have of yourself? It, it all depends what a man or a woman wants, Matana. If you want, listeners, write this down if you dare. The only thing that troubles me about another person is what I want from them. Hmm. Right. Period. Right. That's the only thing that troubles me is mm -hmm. what I want from you. Mm -hmm. So without me having that expectation or demand, your actions and behaviors mean nothing. But if I want and expect you to tell me I'm handsome, I'm beautiful, I'm wise, I'm loving, I'm compassionate, if I expect you to never criticize me because of an image I have of myself as being above all that, mm -hmm then I am living with a limitation and you will, as my partner, reveal it because you can't help yourself just as prior to this moment, I couldn't help myself, but now I can. So what now is I abuse? Can... So what is abuse? Uh, for, well, let's start with physical abuse. If you're in a physically abusive relationship, get out of it, period. Right. There's no using it. Mm -hmm. If you stay in it, you're being used. Mm -hmm. Now, if you have children, and all the rest of that, there are ways and means to get out of that. Don't you dare stay in a physically abusive relationship. Mm -hmm. You're not here to be punished by anyone. Mm -hmm. Psychological abuse runs the gamut. If you're with a man or a woman and they're drinking, they're an addict and they're abusive and you've told them that's enough and you've said it more than once or twice, then you're in the same condition you were with a physically abusive partner. Mm -hmm. They are not going to change. They are not going to change. Mm -hmm. If you're in a relationship that borderlines that, or maybe one where, as we mostly find ourselves, in a relationship with someone who says the snide, passive-aggressive comment, who knows our buttons and pushes them, mm -hmm. then that's the place for you to work. Mm. You can change. You don't need them to change. Mm -hmm. You are... Write this down, listeners. You are not, I am not on this planet to change another human being. I am not on this planet to change another human being. I am on this planet to go through a change of consciousness that may or may not help another human being to change. Mm -hmm. But if I don't change, no human being is going to change, period. It'll just be fight after fight, after lovemaking, after plan, after reconciliation, after fight, mm -hmm. endlessly as it's been for 5,000 years. So that's the task. If I am in a relationship and someone pushes my button, let me get to the point where I know that button so well, I'm not denying it, I'm not blaming it, mm -hmm. I'm going to be present to it. Mm -hmm. And when in my patience, I finally understand you didn't produce that pain in me. You showed me that pain has been sitting there all this time waiting to get triggered. And now hold on to your hat. You ready, Matana? Trying. <laughs>
the next time someone sets you off, if you really want to grow mm-hmm. inwardly, not outwardly, you say to yourself, thank you. I didn't know that about myself. Mm. Then you're using it. Right. I didn't know that about myself. I didn't know that I believe I am beyond correction. Because mm-hmm. if you said to somebody, look, do you think you're perfect? Well, no, I'm not perfect. Right. You know, I have a few rough edges. Right. <laughs> you know, how about anything sets the rough edge off? So I have Thanks. an example. I want to I want to work with you on an, on an example that I have that comes up with me a lot in many of my relationships, especially okay. with my husband. I'm a okay. very punctual person. I'm very on time. My yeah. husband, far from time. He doesn't know time. He he just not connected to time. And I find that time is a trigger by me and him. It's a trigger with us in our relationship. If yeah. he's not on time when he says he'll be on time. I feel disrespected, overseen, overlooked, not heard, not understood. Oh, I could give a whole uh, a list of the hurts, right? And no matter how many times we go through it, we were I worked the understanding, he tries to be on time, but it's something that's never resolved to the core of why I feel the way I feel when he doesn't show up on time or somebody else, a doctor, a lawyer, uh, um, any a business meeting, they're not on time. I feel I feel something setting off an anger, a frustration, a disrespect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do I go with that? Because that's not abuse. Is that abuse? No, it's not abuse. Listen, and I'm not being facetious. Mm-hmm. Would you yell at your refrigerator for not working properly? Probably, <laughs> but not a frustration. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would do it out of frustration because I'm very verbal and very. Uh-huh. I, yeah. uh-huh. And and would it matter how no, long you no, told it that no, no, no. told it? Look, you've got to go no, to this cooling no, temperature. No. no, because that's what it is. Right. That's where your husband is right now, Matana. So when do we do the work? No, You're saying I have to do the work to yes, understand. Yeah, that's exactly right. I I want you to change before I change. I want to change at the same time. Can happen, but it's not going to. Mm-hmm. I work with men and women from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Men and women, all of us, to whatever degree it's true, cannot sit in judgment of someone without believing ourselves to be superior to what we judge. Mm-hmm. If we're so superior, why am I on fire? Right. You get it? Right. If I'm superior, why am I suffering? Right. So the real superiority doesn't belong to me. If there's superiority at all, it's my capacity to recognize that the more I push you to be what I want you to be, the more you're going to remain what you have been. So what do we do? Leave it alone. Don't say a word. Patience, Matana. But then it's the time is going to be later and later every time if I don't say, listen, boundaries or an employee, you have to show up on time. You can't be late. You work for me, you're clocking in, you have to be on time. If an employee is late more than three times, you fire their butt. Mm -hmm. No excuses. They're too good to fire. Nonsense. That's just fear of losing something. See, that's another thing. That's a perfect example. Mm-hmm. We won't say the things we need to say, do the things we need to do, because we're so dependent on other people to keep our, our petty life in place. And our life is petty if it's full of that kind of pain. Mm-hmm. See, but to, to, see, to us, it makes us feel important when someone doesn't um, respect us. 
But what is my sense of importance gained from Matana? Suffering. So just as an example, my husband is always late. I always say something to him. He always shrugs his shoulders, says I'll do better next time. Or he says nothing at all, which further infuriates me. Mm-hmm. Accurate? Uh, well, he always apologizes and says, I didn't mean yeah. the, the, the lists of the reasons. It's not only him. He's just chronically late. But it happens to me so many times with in my life that the the time is a limitation in my in, in my anger management. All right, let's try another approach. If I have a bunch of wet wood soaked cold, can I set it on fire? No. I could try for days and days. Right. I'm not going to get it to ignite. Right. So people that disrespect me set me on fire. Can I be set on fire without kindling? Mm-hmm. Can I? No. So that means that you are merely a catalyst to a level of consciousness waiting to be inflamed. So I'm pretending I'm a victim, like I'm, 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 I'm becoming that. Yes, yes. In a subconscious way. Yes. Listen, the feel is real, but the why is a lie. Mm. The feel is real, but the why is a lie. So I want to bring this a little bit into the mental health world because and we have to wrap up in a few minutes. I know you need to go, but I, I really want to bring this into the mental health world because the relationships, everybody has their ups and downs and their communication struggles. And what do you, how do you feel okay communicating things? How do you be, how you heard without being hurt, all this stuff. But what happens when one is struggling in darkness, depression, anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, manic, whatever it is they're struggling. And the other one is trying to understand their pain. They can't get it. They can't, they're just not on the same wavelength. How do they stay united when they're so far apart? How does the relationship continue when they're just on different channels in life? We're talking about partners now? Yes. I think one of the most difficult things for us as human beings to really understand is that love has, and we've been talking about it, two sides. The one side we love, unifying, gratifying, uplifting, enhancing. Mm -hmm. The other side of love is the side we don't understand. We can see that love has brought us together for the process of self-discovery. We can agree with that. Right. What we can't see yet is that love brings us together also as a purifying force. Love perfects the high side, but when it reveals the low side, we don't see that as perfecting us. We see it as punishing us. It's purifying. And there may come a point, and only the individual can know, where the, the, the road is so divergent that there's nothing else that can be done. We don't want to go into moments where we don't know <clears throat> what the future holds. Right. Why? Because we imagine we know what it does hold. Or we knew what it did hold. Yes. Right. And that's all. It's all imagined, Matana. You and I don't know what's going to happen two seconds from now. Right. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. So this is individual. My partner and I have taken, we, we brought, we came together. Gosh, I wish, you know, I've been talking about this for over 45 years and I still can't make it clear. We, we were brought together. I discovered things that I could have never known. And now it seems like we're going diff- down different roads. Why? So that I can discover things I could have never known. 
Mm. Only these are things I don't want to discover because I don't know what they're going to be. They're I don't scary. want to. Yeah, I don't want to meet the part of myself that doesn't know who it is without someone to blame. Right. I don't want to meet the part of me that doesn't know who it is without something to fear or depend upon. And yet the very purification we're talking about depends upon meeting these parts of myself that now love is leading me to meet. So can I trust love? Instead of trusting this tormented nature that would rather stay in a disabling relationship or disabled state of myself and remain a victim of myself instead of finding out whether or not love knows what it's doing with my life. If there was one thing that I could tell you that I have found beyond the shadow of a doubt, mm -hmm. it is that love brings us into relationships for the purpose of revealing that love never leads us into a relationship that doesn't exist for the purpose of releasing us from these limitations. And that's the purpose of love. That's the purpose of relationships. And if we have in us that love, if it hasn't been destroyed or damaged, Mm -hmm. then we can trust that love will take us through these moments we don't want to reveal to us that nature that fears and is anxious and is dependent. That much I can guarantee, love never betrays those who are true to it. So you're saying basically stick it out and try to give, even if you're not getting, continue giving until it evolves. No, no. No, continue learning. Throw out that idea of giving. See, that's where this resentment comes from, Matana. Mm -hmm. I'm so giving, I'm so giving. Mm -hmm. If you're so giving, why do you do it with anger? Why do you do it to get past unwanted moments? Throw out the idea of giving. Let's sub substitute uh, giving with the idea of learning. Let's substitute giving with enlightenment. So that in those moments, what I'm giving is myself to the light that shows me this darkness that wants to keep going. Then I have a chance to change as a human being because I'm letting something act on me. So much of our misery in this world, I did this, I did that, you don't love me, you won't do this. All the rest of that, all this martyrdom in our relationship mm -hmm. is based on the illusion that we're giving something when in truth. We're taking something from those relationships every time they don't give us what we want. Mm -hmm. Love doesn't, how do I say this to you? Love gives by seeing where it is that something in us is trying to take credit for being a loving human being. Love doesn't ask for credit, Matana. Love gives credibility to every moment so that we can be changed by them if we're willing to learn the lesson the teacher brings through that revelation. So the bottom line is self-love is the ultimate love and everything else is a bonus. Yes, self-love with a capital S, not self-love like I hate myself, not right. self like he should be better because I'm loving. But really accepting ourselves, knowing ourselves, working on ourselves, growing with yeah. ourselves, that's yes. where it all starts and ends and everything else just unfolds naturally when that is focused on 100% Matana and you you know this you know I know you know this <laughs> we just don't want to know this <laughs> yeah it's also hard to get there it's hard to get there without mentors without guidance well you know look it's true in a way 
But we say it's hard to get there, but that's how we've gotten where we are. Mm-hmm. How could we even understand one another unless life had been so hard with so few rewards for the pain mm-hmm. that finally we get it? The reward isn't in the future. The reward is the revelation of a self that's looking for a time to come where it's escaping itself, discovering my essential unity with the divine. That's the reward. And it's here and it's now or it's never I wonder if you know this passage. It's from the old fathers. If I'm not for myself, then who will be? In Hebrew. If I'm just for myself, then what am I? If not now, then when? Yeah. In that simple phrase from the old Jewish fathers, yeah. we, we, we discover this incredible contradiction. Yeah. If I'm not for myself, then who will be? Of course I have to be my, for myself. Right. But if I'm just for myself, what? What, what good am I? am I? I'm good for right. nothing. And if, and not, if not now, now then when? Amen. I, my parents said that I'm Israeli. I, I mean, I grew up in Israel. I'm Jewish, Orthodox. And those sayings were very much in our tongue from very, very, very little on. Because yes. there's so much wisdom in them, even if our parents didn't understand. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. They could speak it, but they wouldn't walk it or couldn't. Now we are the generation. Now we are the ones who will pay for this by understanding the truth of that. So I was very lucky to be raised by very powerful examples of um, humanity and love and kindness and what is true giving and all they they were real role models in in our lives and I'm I'm grateful for that. Um and sometimes I I, lo- I lose myself in the deep thought instead of just going back to basics of uh, love and acceptance and and I think it goes also with mental health. And uh, I was talking to my yoga teacher yesterday. And when I was suffering years ago from depression, she used to say, I used to say to her, tell me about a healer. I need a healer. I need a this. I need a that. I need a, I need a guru. And she said, used to say to me, Matana, it's all in you. Just be, be in your pain, accept it and learn from it and grow above instead of running for it from it. And yeah. she was one of the biggest inspirations. She didn't even know how, how she was so monumental in my, in my healing, that right. the idea of not running from the pain and accepting it and being in it was the beginning of the journey of healing. And I think that when people are really struggling, if they have the courage, I do believe in mentors and guidance and, and literature, like your books helped so many um, people that went through it, go and ask them for help, ask them for guidance, but the work has to be done within you. No one can fix you. No one can Absolutely. heal your pain. No one can take away your pain. You're the only doctor of your body, soul, mind, the only one. And it does begin with higher self-knowledge like we've shared. Let me invite the people listening to us to go to my website, which is Mm -hmm. guyfinley.org, G-U-Y-F-I-N-L-E-Y.org. There's free resources there Mm -hmm. that you can search and spend a year just gathering new self-knowledge. If you like what Matana and I were talking about and you want the book, if I may, go to relationshipmagicbook.com, relationshipmagicbook.com, and you can get the book there and at the same time, a free download of the audible version of the book that I read. So you get a free audible book and the book right there, same price you'd pay anywhere else. And there's other free gifts at my website and relationshipmagicbook.com. Mm-hmm. And of course, Instagram and Facebook, all those social nets, if you want just to get more immersed.
Yeah, I listened to your Audible because I was traveling a lot the last few months and I yeah. downloaded it and it was good for me when I was on the go or in the car. It was it was really good. I like having both I, as side by side because I can yeah. I also love hearing the voice of the author cuz the the passion comes out much more like every word is explained better when you hear it. So absolutely, I, I really appreciated it. And I, I thank you for that. And I thank you for the book that you sent me. It was really, really so it was humbling to get that book in the mail. I'm going to end off with one question. What okay. does hope mean to you? What does hope mean to me? Yeah. There's another piece of scripture. Our hopes must not be in things seen. For who hopes in things seen? It must be in things unseen. Mm. Love is love is unseen. We see the expression of it. We see it manifested. But love itself is unseen. It is the third partner in any relationship between two human beings. So that my hope is in something that over time has proven to me beyond the shadow of a doubt that those of us who will dare to put love first will always find that love has put us first, but we must first pay the price for that revelation, the realization, and ultimately the illumination that only love can provide. Mm. Wow. Process that. I think whoever's listening to this should do a rewind and listen to it two times because that's powerful, really powerful. Thank you so much. I always wonder, who, who are your mentors? Um, I don't have any living mentors. Uh, I was very fortunate back in the 80s, uh, actually late 70s, early 80s, to meet and work with a, a, a fully illumined man. His name was Vernon Howard, a, a true Christian mystic. Mm -hmm. But like all mystics, they embrace, as he, did he, as do I, there's no path that love didn't produce the the love the paths don't lead to love love gave birth to the paths mm -hmm. and once we understand that then we become more interested in being a whole human being than being a particularly holy human being according to some relig right. religiosity or path mm -hmm. so that was my good fortune and others before that too many to go into mm -hmm. uh good fortune from the time that i was literally eight years old mm -hmm. matana uh, by the grace of God and that which I will never forget. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, although it was so little of your great knowledge and wisdom and teachings. But thank God you put it into literature and everybody can grab one of your 40-something books and grow <laughs> with something, like just something that interests. It has to be that someone wants to grow in some aspect in life. If they're here listening, as you said, if they're here listening to this, they're curious and they're they're looking to, to enhance their lives, looking to grow, looking to be better. So thank you for teaching us. Thank you for being here. As you heard, Guy gave his website. It's going to be in the show notes. And um, hopefully we'll have you on in uh, maybe in a year or two. To, I would be, to I'd be happy to. it. In fact, I, I'm going to ask mm -hmm. uh, Barbara to send you a particular book that I think would be really good for you as a gift. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, I'm going to try working on my time management with my with anybody that disappoints me and see how that works. And I'll yeah, be. But you you want to here's a great spiritual tool that nobody knows is a spiritual tool. Yeah. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Buy a roll of duct tape, and when you get ready to say something, <laughs> roll put it on your mouth. Yeah. Until the rage passes. Mm -hmm. 
Deep breath, deep breath. Yeah, that's it. Because that, that capacity to see that nature is the beginning of dying to it. Mm-hmm. Then we are reborn moment to moment by the light that shows us where the suffering belongs to something that has no right to claim our life. Thank you, Matana. Thank you so much, Guy. If you want to hear more from us, you can join us on Hope to Recharge Facebook community. You can find other episodes on iTunes, Stitchers, wherever you you listen to us. You can also find us on HopeToRecharge.com. And we would love to hear your feedback on this episode. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.